Welcome to the Grow the Game podcast, hosted by your own Corbin King and Peyton Mattingly. Today we are super excited to be joined by one of the best coaches in college basketball right now, Coach Bruce Pearl, head coach of the Auburn University Tigers. Coach Pearl started his career as a student assistant at Boston College, where he then became an assistant coach immediately after that, got his first head coaching job at 32 at Southern Indiana, was the head coach at University of Tennessee, and is now the current head coach for Auburn basketball. Coach Pearl, we are extremely excited to have you on today. How are you? I'm doing great. Peyton, how are you? Corbin, you guys doing okay? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're doing well. We're doing well. So kind of talk about your coaching career, how you got started, and, and why you got into coaching. <laughs> uh, well, um, that's a pretty broad question. You got 30 minutes for that one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I uh, when I look back at my athletic career, uh, you know, I was, I was one of the best athletes in town in my age, you know, kind of first kid picked, you know, won the races, pitched and batted third or fourth and played quarterback and so on and so forth. And then God had a different plan for me. Uh, I was 14 years old. I almost had a career ending knee injury, um, changed my life, maybe a better person because it, uh, it, 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 uh, prevented me from just dominating you on the court or on the field. And I had a, I became, a, I, I, I was humbled, um, but I still had a competitive edge. I still had a spirit, uh, an understanding. Um, and one of the other things I also realized is when I was uh, competing in high school or even when I was younger, uh, I had the ability to lead that it wasn't just what I was doing, but somehow we would find a way to win. My team would win. Um, maybe because of what kind of team that I was or how I was able to teach or encourage uh, or challenge, uh, whatever it was. And I then went to Boston College because that's where I wanted to go if I was a recruited athlete to play football, basketball. And I wound up going there. I tried to walk on the basketball team um, and I got cut. And uh, But the coach, Tom Davis, Dr. Tom Davis, who was my mentor, you know, saw some competitive fire in me and basically asked me if I wanted to, if I would be a manager, um, but not just a manager, somebody that would, you know, do promotions and sell tickets and get the faculty and staff excited about it and do travel and help with this basketball camp and recruit. And it turned into a situation where I, by the time I was there, I was, I was hosting Patrick Ewing on his official visit as a, you know, as a student manager type thing. And, um, and so, uh, that's how I got really into coaching. Uh, and then when I was 21 years old and a senior at Boston college, Dr. Tom Davis got the Stanford job. And he asked me as a 21 year old senior in college, if I wanted to go with him to Stanford as an assistant coach. And that's how I got started. Wow. Yeah. So from your times as a student assistant, what are some experience and takeaways that shaped you to the coach that you are now? Well, I think, I think no matter what organization you're in, you're in, make yourself valuable. I never once worked a day at Boston college because I thought I was going to be a coach or I was working for a job. I love BC. I love the basketball program. I loved getting into the big East. We first got into the big East and the big East tournament and making that say tournament and organizing you know, students to, to fill buses to get down to the garden and 
support uh, Boston College basketball. I just I loved I loved it as part of my intercollegiate experience as a student, and I never once did it for a day to try to get a job out of it. Um, but I became important in that little organization because Coach Davis would ask me to do things, and he knew that if I did them, I did them, I would do them well. And so I don't care what you're doing. I don't care where you are uh, in whatever company organization, make yourself valuable. Um, and then of course it, it, it wound up leading, you know, to an opportunity. Um, the biggest thing about the coach I am right now is really two things. Once again, advice from Dr. Tom Davis, I was with him as an assistant and a manager, you know, for 14 years. And when I left him, when I was 32 years old, um, he said this to me, he said two things. Number one, do what you know how to do. Teach what you know how to teach. If I were you, go ahead and run this system because you've seen it. You've seen us make adjustments over the years to it, and you know it. It's not, it's not, it's not what you do, but it's how you do it. It's not what you know. It's how, how you, well you can teach it. Um, that was number one. And number two is be yourself. Don't try to be me. I, I couldn't be Dr. Tom. I wasn't that smart, um, and I had different personality than he did. And he said, you know, don't change your personality. Be, be yourself, which was which meant the way I would coach and the way I would teach would be for me to be comfortable in my skin, not conforming to the way he did. He did it, but the subject matter of what I taught, the system. He recommended that I stay within that system, and 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 I thought those two things were were brilliant pieces of advice. Yeah, so after being an assistant manager for 14 years, you mentioned 32, you got your first head coaching job at Southern Indiana. How did you kind of prepare for that? And what were some few things that you learned from your, your first few days as a head coach? <laughs> um, it, it is often said by head coaches that assistant coaches have no idea what it's like to sit one seat over. Um, and some of them may be right about that. But they weren't they weren't right about that when it came to me. Um, I I accepted the manager job or an assistant coaching position, and I treated it like I was not like I was the head coach in responsibility or or contribution, but it mattered to me every day how we did, as much as it did the head coach. And so when I transitioned from an assistant to a head coach, I felt no more pressure. I didn't work any harder. Um, I had a lot more responsibility and I was now running practice, not assisting practice. It was actually more fun because I was, you know, doing more of the, doing more of the work. Um, but I never felt more of the pressure. So what I tell assistant coaches is don't lease, don't rent, buy all in. Don't worry about your next job. Do an unbelievable job with the one you got. And, and, um, and so my transition to being a head coach was not obviously that difficult. Surround yourself with, with really good people. Uh, the people that you put out there, um, they don't have to be like you. They can compliment you. But if they're not of good character, that's on you. Like, you know, you need players. But if you're going to hire somebody that's going to be a shady recruiter, you're going to be evaluated based on that. Hey, guess what, guys? Judge me by Ira Bowman, by Wes Flanagan, 
by Stephen Pearl, by Mike Burgermaster, by Chad Pruitt. Judge me by those guys. Man, I can't hold a candle to any of those guys or of their character. Uh, and uh, But if you're going to hire somebody that's uh, a sleazeball, uh, that's going to be out there doing things that, that you that you wouldn't want do, them doing. That's on you. So what was the jump like going from Southern Indiana to Milwaukee from D2 to D1? Uh, it was, uh, this is very, that's a great question, Caleb. Um, look, the, the quality of the basketball and the quality of the coaching was as good as uh, in Division Two and the Great Lakes Valley Conference as it was in any league I've been in Division One any league, including the SEC, with Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, you have less at the Division II level, uh, and so therefore, in many ways, you've got to be able to do more, and you've got to actually be a better coach and a better teacher because you don't have just great players and just put them out in space and let them make plays. Uh, and um, so I cut my teeth in a big way nine years coaching in the Division II level. Uh, the, 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 the difference is potentially in how to run a program. Um, a complete program. And that's been our strength everywhere we've been able to be is a recognition as it's, it's the things that you do both on and off the court, um, developing a, a, a program, uh, creating a fan base, creating interest uh, on campus, uh, being a servant leader, um, um, recruiting, a uh, player development, uh, uh, de um, you know, just fundraising. Um, scheduling everything that goes there are greater demands at the division one level um but there are also you know greater opportunities as well yeah so when you took the job in milwaukee or tennessee or auburn kind of talk about those those first 90 days as a head coach when you're taking over for a new program you know hiring staff and meeting with players yeah, one of the things I used to do and I haven't done it for years um and I actually got some older coaches that remember uh, every every year, I sent a personal letter to every head coach uh, that got a new job. That's um, a long time. I haven't done it in a long time. But it was a st almost the same letter I sent every year and changed it up a little bit. But um, I can tell you that true story. When you get in, uh, I know this is absolutely true at Tennessee. Um, we stayed in a rental house about 20 minutes from campus. And for the first 30 days of my time at Tennessee, I never saw this place during the day. Never. The first day they took me to this little condo, 20 minutes from campus. It was nighttime. Well, I would leave before the sun came up to get to the office at, when I got to the office. I would never. I'm talking a month. I'm talking almost 30 days. And then one Sunday morning, I slept in and walked outside and saw this. Oh, this is crazy. Um, it's a very sweet time because, uh, you know, while you are away from your family and your kids, uh, and you're by yourself and you're with your new staff, uh, amazing bonds are being built. Um, and uh, everybody's going through that trauma of being away from your wife and your children. And, you know, here we are, we're working our butts off to try to provide for our family in a better way than we had ourselves. And yet we're away from the people that we love the most and that matter the most. And somehow it's out of whack. 
Um, but you're laying a foundation and, you know, you're trying to build a new, try to build a new family on a solid foundation. And so I, I try to encourage coaches to, to uh, enjoy that time. It's a, it's a sweet time. Um, the other thing that's really important, the minute you become the head coach of that new place, those are your players. I, I don't, I don't like it and I don't recommend it when coaches talk about when they get their own players. Like when we start recruiting and we get guys that'll fit our system. Or, so you mean that the 13 guys that are on scholarship right now for you aren't yours? They belong to somebody else's? What kind of a message are you sending as a father to those children if somehow you're not taking ownership of them? The minute I be, I don't care whether I recruited them or don't know their parents or their families, you better get to know those kids. You better get to know those families. Those are your kids. The former coach that either left to take a different job or got fired, he's not there anymore. And uh, that served me really, really well because I was able to convince every team in my first year that we were in this thing together and I care about him. Coach Pat Dye, the great coach at Auburn, used to say, uh, you can coach him as hard as you love him. Love takes a while. Love's a word that gets thrown out way too easily by way too many people. I tell my new guys, my new recruits, I don't love you yet. I don't know you yet well enough. Let's get to know each other. Let's experience something. Let's go through some adversity together. Let me give to you. Give back to me a little bit. We'll build our relationship. And then we'll have something that's unbreakable. So from your first head coaching job till now, has your culture changed at all? Yeah, as I've gotten older and I've gotten closer to God um, and studied the Bible more, um, I've realized that really, quite frankly, it's not me. It's him through me um, in a sense that I'm just his servant. Um, and um, man, I mean, uh, I didn't have that as much. I was younger, like, like whoever taught Helen Keller to read didn't teach Helen Keller to read. God, through that teacher, taught Helen Keller to read. And so, I mean, that's been the biggest focus for me, um, is having God more in my locker room. What are the things that we need to do on a daily basis that would bring him glory, that he might bless? Um, whether you receive the blessing or not, what are they? And so, go. let's go ahead and do and if And what aren't they? What behavioral things aren't there? Uh, now, look, we've always raised the bar. We've always said, don't let anybody have higher expectations for you than you have for yourself. We always focused on the positive. What are you good at? You can't be great at anything unless you're already good at. So what are you good at? Go, go, go become great at it. I want to build confidence in my, with my teams by having them be prepared. Hard work won't guarantee success, but without hard work, I guarantee you won't have success. It's your choice. choice. What say you? Choose to work hard. How are you going to handle adversity? What kind of teammate are you going to be? All those things have always been in place as far as our culture and our character. Um, but the biggest thing as I've gotten older is I have a responsibility not only to help you become the best basketball player you can become, which will help you individually achieve at the highest level, whether you're playing in high school or college or professionally, um, but also to be a better father, to be a better husband, you know, to be a better citizen to love this country more and take advantage of the opportunity in this country. 
Um, we don't have enough of that. We don't have enough teachers that are teaching. You can be anything you want. You can, you can, you can be the president of the United States, like Barack Obama, as an African American. What country? What what democratic country in the world has elected a black president twice? We don't brag about it enough. I know there's racism. I know there's profiling. I know my guys are going to walk into a store and going to look at you. Guess what? I get the money to be in here, so take your eyes off me. I I, I get that. But we're not going to let that be an excuse of why they can't accomplish something. I'm a Jewish American basketball coach in the SEC in Auburn, Alabama. Are you kidding me? You don't think I'm grateful for this opportunity? Was this opportunity available 50, 60, 70 years ago? Might have been not so heard of. I'm grateful for that. Is there anti-Semitism out there? You better believe there is. But I'm not going to let that stop me. And so that's our culture. That is that is our culture. So when you're on the road recruiting, whenever you're looking into players, what are some qualities that you look for that tell you that they'll fit your team identity? Um, you know, I think that, you know, the – Look, the ability to learn, guys, it's not where you are, it's where you're going to be. Not where you start, it's where you finish. And so I don't have to have a finished product. You know, I don't have to have a finished product. Uh, on the basketball court, I like dimensions. Uh, I like, I, I, you know, if a guy is really good at everything but not great at anything, it's hard. you got to have some, some dimension where you're really good. And, and, and I like well-rounded players. But I like players where there could be potentially, you'll be a dimension. Um, guys that work hard and guys that are physical and are tough and not afraid uh, are guys that typically are, are more successful for me. Yeah, so on the topic of building culture, y'all recently took an overseas trip to Israel. Kind of talk about the highlights of that and what that means for you and your team going into next year. Well, the summer tours are great. Um, it gives you an opportunity to practice 10 extra days. Um, the guys get excited about their summer workouts because they know in August there's going to be some opponents and playing against somebody different. It gives you a jump basketball-wise. Um, the bonding experience, guys, whatever your life's greatest achievements are, uh, some of your greatest memories, some of the things that you'll never, ever, you know, you know it was a wedding or a graduation or a championship, uh, but it was because of the people that you did it with. You did it with your family. You did it with people that you love, people that you're close to. Um, it's the same thing on a tour like this. Going overseas and experiencing different culture and different country and different foods and different climates and, and different people, the way they looked and the way they act and pray and so on and so forth, um, is your antennas are up and you're in tune and you're seeing similarities and the world gets really, really small but you treasure those things because of who you saw that with and who you experienced them with. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I love these tours. Um, and it's, NCAA has got a great rule in letting us go once. I wish they let us go once every couple of years. It's such a cultural uh, and educational uh, experience. See, I'm still teachers, guys. I'm still teaching. That's what we do. That doesn't mean my way is the only way uh, or the right way. It's just a way. Um, and, um, you know, to go to Israel specifically, again, going back to our culture, having God in our locker room, uh, you'll never open up the Bible again the same way. 
whether you're a Jewish in the Old Testament or whether you're Christian and you're working in the Old and the New Testament. Our kids saw where Jesus was born. They saw where he lived. They saw where he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. They saw uh, the, the walk that he took in Jerusalem. They saw the steps that he went through, the lion's gate that he walked through, the, 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 the um, uh, southern steps where he ministered, the Sea of Galilee where he performed those miracles. They saw all those places knowing that their God, their God had walked those, those places before. And um, uh, what an experience, uh, one that they'll, they'll, they'll tre treasure, obviously, forever. So when you get new guys coming in, what are some steps that you take to get them to buy into your team identity? Um, obviously, if you've got players that are in your program right now that are doing it the right way, all they got to do is do what those guys are doing. And, um, and so, like, I don't have a lot of guys living off campus. I'd prefer none. We've got great, great uh, on-campus housing uh, at Auburn, and it's a real. We have a great wellness kitchen and uh, some of that stuff, the nutrition and 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 you know things like that. Those things matter. Um, so our guys are obviously getting to know each other and spending time together. Um, uh, I tell the freshmen, look. Um, I don't necessarily want them or the new, not just the freshmen, the new guys uh, uh, don't settle. Um, you know, uh, you know, take us to another level, you know, um, you know, win every race, see if we can continue to elevate the program with some new blood and some freshness. Cause not always not, sometimes your turners get a little stale and they need to be challenged. And the other thing is uh, every season is a new season. I have no idea who's going to start at each position. I don't know. I have any idea who the backups are. And I, I let them compete. And I'm going to let them, I'm going to let them earn their, their opportunity, their minutes, their roles, they're earn them. how they do it in the classroom. What's their attendance like? Who's in the gym in the morning? Who's in the gym at night? Who's putting in the extra time? I'll do everything I can to try to reward that work ethic. Um, and, um, and let them compete. Treat them. I don't treat them the same. I treat them all fairly. That's what I tell them. And uh, they'll play their way, earn their way, work their way in and out of whatever old, whatever role they get on this team. So as far as game prep goes and you know, practice leading up to a game, how do you personally as a head coach prepare for games? Well, I've got files on, on opponents and coaches that I've kept over the years. Um, you know, coaches make adjustments, but they don't change. And so there's history there what worked, what didn't work. Um, I do, I I'm, I'm a big believer in a scout, our system. Uh, we do dictate certain things about how we guard, uh, but offensively we'll do a lot of different things based on how you guard. Um, and um, so it's important for me to get a look at, you know, how they guard certain actions so that I go in and know, have a, an offensive game plan. We don't dictate as much offensively. We, we react to what you do. Uh, and then defensively, we 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 dictate and and we force you uh, into certain situations that uh, that we feel comfortable with. Yeah, and game prep is always also important in, in several a tournament. And you've had some great runs as a head coach. But what made those teams so special? For example, the Final Four team back in uh, 2019. Well, guard plays always a. Well, I think guard plays is is crucial. And when we went at, when we had our Final Four run, we had great guard play. Um, 
And, um, uh, you know, I think you got to be fresh at the end of the season. You got to be fresh at the end of the game. Depth is important. Uh, we've always played nine, 10 guys, double digit minutes. Always. Uh, Jabari Smith last year was the number three player taken in the draft. He averaged 28 minutes, maybe 29 a game. Wasn't even in the 30s because I wanted to have him fresh at the end of the game uh, and at the end of the season. Uh, and, you know, especially as young as he is. And so um, I think that makes for a healthier locker room. We do share it. So seeing what you build at Auburn, what does it mean to you to see the growth in the fan base? Well, you, you know, it's, it's like the chicken, and the egg, which one comes first? Um, do you have to win in order to get the fans come out or can you get the fans come out to help you win? Uh, and obviously the latter is the way to do it. And so at Auburn, we got our fan base to come out on the promise that we'd simply play hard and compete. And we didn't win the first couple of years I was here, but we played hard. We had some great wins, but we didn't have championship seasons. And um, obviously um, that, that, that evolved. And uh, we've won the S we won the SEC championship out of the SEC tournament or the regular season championship three out of the last four years. And over the last five years, no team in the SEC has won more games than Auburn. No, in the last five years, no team has got a better non-conference record than Auburn. Um, and so we're proud of that. And so can, can I say at the end of six years, no teams won more games than Auburn? We'll see. That would be our goal. Um, it's going to be challenging. The toughest league in the country is the one you're in, and we're in a pretty tough league in the SEC. Last year, uh, even though there were about four or five weeks when I thought we were the best team in college basketball, uh, we were playing great uh, in, in, in January and early February. Um, we didn't end well. Miami beat us in the tournament, and Miami was hot and they were experienced, great coach, older players. Um, but I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is just the fact that it's we've had some consistency and and that's what our challenge is but we were picked fifth last year in our league um and we won it we'll be picked fourth through sixth this year again um and uh we lost two first round frontline players so uh i like my team uh but we got work to do how have you seen the competition level grow from whenever you were at tennessee till now well it's the league is much better um, the coaches are, 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 the collection of coaches are very strong. Um, and there's, there's been a real commitment from the SEC. Look, the SEC is the best league in, in, in intercollegiate athletics. Uh, and the, so whoever second ACC, big 10, PAC 12, big 12, they're second by uh, some distance. I'm talking football, basketball, baseball, men, women, swimming and diving, tennis, golf, overall, uh, and in the big sports like football, the, the major uh, revenue-producing sports, football, basketball, and baseball, the numbers of uh, professional players, almost two to one to the second league, whoever that second league is. Um, and in basketball, you know, that was not the case. We were not the best basketball conference for a long, long time, whether it be the Big East or the ACC or whatever, Big 12. They're all really competitive. But we're amongst the best now. We're right there in basketball. We were way behind before. And I think that uh, we've, we've caught up. 
Yeah, talking about how the competition's changed. Obviously, you've been coaching for a while now. You've seen the game change, the game of college basketball with NIL and transfer portal. How have you as a coach adapted to all the change every year? You got to adapt to rule changes. I don't make the rules. Uh, you got you to you you adjust. You know, I'm not, I'm not very happy that they basically have legislated out of trapping, um, you know, because of the, the, the cone thing, whatever, whatever that is, uh, you know, it makes it really hard to put a guy in a trap. Uh, I used to think it was a nice part of the game. Um, so you got to adjust, you know, to, 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 to how you coach and how you teach. Uh, I'm very happy uh, that name, image, and likeness has brought some, fairness into the game as far as compensating our players and having a much more realistic scholarship um and and um uh, um but it's the wild west out there right now because um everybody's trying to figure it out um i think i think um uh, uh i think it's a good thing for our players um you know i wish that that the universities and the conferences could find a way to be more involved in the comp in, in the compensation of the players rather than relying on the private sector um, and uh, the market. But that's okay because I think that's what makes, that's one of the things that brought NIL into play, that free market uh, system. Um, it's just that there are right now, um, uh, because it's so new, um, you know, we're not sure that, uh, you know, where are the boundaries? if there are such if there are any um i i don't mind the transfer portal uh i i would very much be against trans the, the ability for players to transfer every year um you know what there was a time when you know my dad told me that you know there are certain things that i was going to do because he was my father and i was his son um and uh, look i've always transferring is a good thing i transferred from Tennessee to here. I transferred from Milwaukee to Tennessee. There's nothing wrong with tennis transferring and you don't, you shouldn't be penalized because you transfer. Um, but at the same time, if you're in employment um, and you're working for a, uh, a big company in a certain industry, um, if you transfer too often, as you move your way up, that's going to become a problem also. And so in some ways with young people, we're not teaching them enough to, to stick and to fight. And in, in some ways they'd be better off. A lot of kids are just, you know, the, the, you know, we're, we're teaching our young people that if the, you know, if, if, the, if, if the, uh, in eighth grade, uh, they won't let you pitch. They won't let you bad third. Let's go find another AAU team. Let's go find another high school. Let's go find something easier. And I just think that we're teaching to flee rather than fight. And, and it's just, it's, uh, uh, I would be very, very, very against the kids being able to transfer every single year. It'll hurt graduation rates. Um, it'll, it'll just hurt the, the educational process, uh, the maturity process, the growth within a program. Uh, I think they should be able to, I, I don't mind the one-time transfer. I think it's great. More than that, I think it, 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 it'd be a problem. Yeah, Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Any any last bits of advice for, for young aspiring coaches, basketball fans, Auburn fans, or anyone just listening to the podcast? Well, I just think, I think look, um, make yourself valuable. Um, everything that you touch, do it to the very best of your ability. 
Um, I don't sit in first class. My players do when we're on a commercial flight. Um, um, be a servant leader. Uh, carry the bags. Um, you know, just uh, no job is too small. Um, and um, you know, treat that job like it's your last. Like it's like it's your like it's your last. Stop looking at what's better. Um, you know, across the street, or you know, or, you know, or whatever. Um, and then do it with character. Um, do it to, you know, do it with character um, and uh, do it to the very best of your ability. Um, and uh, put the players first. What's best for the players? Your, our job, our job is to help them be successful. Their job is not help us be successful. Yeah, Coach, thank you so much again, obviously. A lot of respect for you and enjoy watching your high energy on the bench and best of luck to you guys this year. Peyton, Corbin, thank you very much. And War Eagle.